1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic. And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis. The best interviews. The best coverage. And no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Good evening and welcome to Bill
3: Michaels Huddle. We're on the air and we are glad you are here. Thanks uh, so much for taking a listen to us. On this Wednesday night edition, the Wednesday night edition of the Bill Michaels Huddle, which is brought to you by our good friends over there at uh, Bud Light and Bud Light Seltzer. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Our good buddy Marcus Pat from The Score in Appleton uh, joining us tonight. Uh, Marcus, how you doing, buddy?
0: Bill, I'm great. I'm just, you know, it's 2020. I'm happy to be on the air right now. So, yeah, all things considered, doing great.
3: Yeah, I think uh, we're all happy just to be uh, surviving through all of this and uh, surviving. Also, our good buddy Mike Wickett is back. Michael, how you been? You
4: know, Bill, it's great to be on in the great state of Wisconsin on what is hopefully going to be a great night for America. And sadly, Bill, I drank most of my beer last night on election (laughs) night, so I'm down to just two, my friend. So that's all I got for our program this evening.
3: You know, a two-bear program is better than a no-beer program, Michael. That's the way I look at it, buddy. That's what I say you about know? church. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> okay. Well, there you have it. Hey, uh, we know that uh, COVID has obviously reared its ugly head when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers. Marcus, let me start with you. Are the Packers... Uh, lucky that they're catching the 49ers at this point in time, or because they have been hit with COVID with uh, A.J. Dillon, obviously, and then they are iffy right now with Aaron Jones, obviously Jamal Williams, Kamal Martin. Are they uh, unlucky, and it really doesn't matter?
0: Yeah, I guess I'd I'd say they're lucky, Bill, because if you came up against them at full strength, going into this contest with the less-than-ideal starting lineup right now would be a a formidable challenge going west. So, you know, if – look, this isn't going to resemble anything or it's not going to look anything like what we saw last year in that NFC championship game. Certainly the rosters are very different. You're not going to have Jimmy G on the other side for this game either. Uh, It it just fits the theme of this 2020 season to a T to this point with the multiple guys out. I don't know what to expect, but I guess I'm looking at it from a a glass half full perspective at this point. We'll, uh, We'll consider themselves lucky that if they're going in depleted, at least the opposition is depleted as well.
3: So, Mike, uh, there there isn't any offensive specialists, and by that, running backs, wideouts, quarterback, playing in this game from last year's NFC Championship game on the San Francisco side of the ball. Do you expect this to be Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers show where he just can kind of go off, no Bosa, their offensive or defensive line is banged up, They're, they've lost some of their secondary. Do you expect Aaron Rodgers to go off, or is this a weird Thursday night travel to the West Coast, just survive game?
4: I feel like it's – Listen, there has been no trip to San Francisco or L.A. to play the Chargers that I felt good about in, in a while. I mean, the the two times Matt LaFleur, three times Matt LaFleur had to play out there against these these teams that are good up front. They get their ass kicked. And then it happened again with Tampa Bay earlier this year. Now, as you mentioned, that def- the front is completely depleted. Uh, by the, for the of the San Francisco 49ers so it's not going to be D. Ford and and Bosa and everybody just pinning their ears back. That being said, Bill, I wasn't terribly worried about. Uh, I thought it was going to be the Aaron Rodgers show on Sunday against Minnesota. And Minnesota said, "You know what we're going to do? We're going to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. We're going to run the ball up your face." And you know what? Kirk Cousins threw the ball what fourteen times on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's going to be the Aaron Rodgers show because. The Packers haven't shown anybody that they can get off the field on defense to let Aaron Rodgers show off and run video game scores when it comes to somebody good.
3: So the Packers have won four of the last six games they played on Thursday night, and Aaron Rodgers has thrown for 12 touchdowns and just one pick with a passer rating of 107.3. Now, You can throw those stats out the window because you're going to the West Coast, a place that Matt LaFleur has not won. Both times they went out, all three times they went out there, they said it was goofy, it felt weird, uh, it wasn't flowing. I mean, whatever adjective you want to throw behind it. um, You know, this is one, if they get a win here, Marcus, if they get a win here, do they then get that West Coast monkey off their back finally? Or is this just because it is such weird circumstances? You just got to take what you get and just throw it out the window.
0: Yeah. I I don't know how you can apply at the end of the day, anything that happens in this 2020 season beyond that, we're all just sort of struggling to survive and get through this. And, and that's how I think the Packers look at this game going out West. Look, if it felt awkward going there before it's, it's most certainly going to feel awkward now because you've got the Niners shutting down their team facilities here uh, within the last 24 hours. And, there's a lot of questions to be answered before they actually get out on the field tomorrow night as well. So uh, with that looming over their heads, I'm sure that's certainly, you know, part of the thought process here, but, you know, look, end of the day, I I, I think the Packers just need to be able to get off the field on defense as Mike talked about uh, a moment ago, if they can do that, then sure, then it can become the Aaron Rodgers show it virtually any environment this season, because we know there's not a, a real home field advantage as we saw a few weeks back in, in New Orleans where the Packers took full advantage of that. Um, and, in but if not, then you're left with what we saw in particular in that, that first half last week where what each team had two possessions in a, in a, an entire half of football and you know negligible on that final play before the Packers ran out that first half. But you know that seems to me to be sort of the formula right now uh, to go out and, and beat Green Bay is, is give the ball to your, your tailback and let him, Go, go eat, you know, especially if you have a guy like Delvin cook, what, you know, looking at these two, two games, Bill Delvin cook last week, what 163 yards on 30 carries. And you compare that to week one, when I think they gave him the ball, a total of 12 times, you can see. And I'll go back to the Tampa game as well. They ran more than 30 times in that game, racked up 158 yards of offense. Those are the you know, the two teams that they've had the most trouble with. So if I'm San Francisco, I know they're down their backs. You're not going to be uh, looking at Raheem Mozart, and you're not going to be looking at Tevin Coleman this week. But I'm still feeding whoever is in that backfield and saying, hey, stop me, Green Bay, because you haven't proven to anybody yet that you can do that.
3: So let's talk about that. Let's get into this because the trade deadline has come and gone, and the argument about what they needed, whether it was another wide receiver and just go out score people, or you needed another body or two to be able to shut down the run. Mike, I'll start with you. Did the Packers miss the boat at the trade deadline?
4: Yeah, I'll just talk about Will Fuller. Uh, I think was wasted. I, 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 without getting into the minutia of what the Texans wanted and then what they get if Will Fuller leaves after the next eight games, Will Fuller can't stop the run. I mean, th- that's that's what this comes down to. Todd Gurley ran on him, Adrian Peterson and the rest of the Lion run, Lions running backs ran on them. The Vikings run ran on them. The Buccaneers ran on them. Hell, when David Johnson in 2020 runs over you, your defensive front sucks. And there is nothing, listen, we can say, oh boy, I hope Kenny Clark is good. And I hope Rashawn Gary is good. And I, I really hope Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. I really, I really hope they're good. We're learning they're not. They weren't last year against the run. They're not good this year against the run. You know, losing Blake Martinez, fine. Christian Kirksey was supposed to be the athlete they brought in. He's hurt. Um, I. That's what makes me upset. Now, anybody who's mad, that the Packers didn't make a move at the deadline, it's like you're new, all right? That wasn't going to happen. We all understand that Green Bay doesn't do what Seattle does or San Francisco does. They added Emmanuel Sanders last year, and they got to the Super Bowl. They didn't have anybody to catch a ball from Jimmy last year. So the move that needed to be made, if they were going to make one, was in the middle up front or a linebacker that can stay healthy and tackle and make plays. Because Marcus, they don't have that right now, and it's not like, oh, they had it, and then it went away. They haven't had it all year.
0: Yeah, look, Mike, I'm I'm line in step with you. I'm trying to think, okay, think along with Brian Gutekunst. What could the rationale have been in his mind? And the only thing that I can arrive at, and, and obviously they didn't pull the trigger on this, they felt like Houston was asking too much. But in the absence of finding a defensive difference maker, somebody that can come in and and take them up a notch. Nobody's expecting them to be a top 10 unit, but in the absence of that could will Fuller have perhaps catapulted that offense to another level to where you're saying we can't get better on one side of the ball, but you know what, if, if we can't do that, we we better take it to another level on offense and just hope to God that we
3: can outscore people. Guys, when you start to look at the comparison, their defense is, is banged up as it is. Still ranks decent. They're in the top 10 points allowed where the Packers are number 20. The 49ers are top 10. They're 10th overall. Total defense, the 49ers are 6th where the Packers are 11th overall, which total defense still that stuns me at this point because the Packers' pass defense has been at least better. It's been 13th in the league while the passing defense for the 49ers is 4th in the league. Now that was with some of their guys and with some of this pass rush. So, again, I go back to when you talk about Will Fuller, Mike, you know, it's kind of like you know that they can't stop the run. But where Mm -hmm. their defense is the best is when the Packers have a score or two and you force a team to become one-dimensional. Then Mike Pettin in that secondary can dial it up. They can pass rush. They can make a, a quarterback, you know, force them into a couple of mistakes. Does it take the Packers with a lead only to win a ball game, do you see them coming from behind, uh, say, two scores or more to win a ballgame? Yeah, I mean, they, they this team's not built to come from behind.
4: I mean, this team is built to get out in front of a lead, make other teams throw, make other teams one-dimensional. And that's when they have their full complement of players on offense. They don't have that right now. I mean, no Aaron Jones. Okay, fine. Jamal Williams is an adequate running back. Okay, no Aaron, no, no Jamal Williams. Um, all right, so AJ Dillon gets oh nope, COVID can't can't do that. I mean, what's strange about the Packers is up until last week, when when Matt LaFleur's teams would lose, they lose in embarrassing fashion. They lose by 20, they lose 38 to 10. Um, you know, last week was the outlier in all of this. When they lose, they get their tail kicked. Um, they aren't built to come from behind for whatever reason, and maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers has to take some of that criticism because, Bill, when you punch Aaron Rodgers, it's like if you get to – remember Carlos Zambrano of the Cubs? When you got to Carlos Zambrano early, that dude was out by the third inning and he was beating up the Gatorade barrel. If you can get to Aaron early and punch him in the mouth early, I don't know if Aaron's good at recovering. And, Bill, we saw that in Tampa. He throws the pick, he throws the second pick, and Aaron's never, ever the same. So, yes, my answer is this team's not built – to come they have
3: to make other teams one-dimensional they have to get a lead let's do this we'll go ahead and take a quick break we'll come back marcus path from the score up there in appleton joining us also mike Wickett, our good buddy he was on the panel a couple of weeks ago he's here as well this is the bill michaels huddle it's brought to you by our friends at bud light seltzer unquestionably good we got a lot more of the bill michaels huddle right after this
2: 16 station strong the bill michaels sports talk network pressure coming hit as he
0: throws is it a fumble or is it incomplete minnesota picks it up and the vikings look like they have it and that will do it
5: in order to win this football game a couple things had to happen we knew we had to stop the run that didn't happen we knew we had to play penalty free that didn't happen the penalties were a big part of it and uh, when you do that you're going to get beat
3: Welcome back. Those are the words of Matt LaFleur. Penalties can't stop the run. Uh, it was interesting because, uh, by the way, uh, we got our friends Marcus Path and Mike Wickett joining us on the panel tonight on the Bill Michael Settle brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. But Marcus, I'll start with you. Matt LaFleur said after the game the other day, uh, we got to fix that and we got to fix it now, talking about the run defense, specifically the defense and the fundamentals of just tackling. Uh, was that a very loud salvo, seemingly, over the bow of one Mike Pettin?
0: Well, I, I guess you could take it a lot of ways. I, I don't know how exactly they're they're going to go from whatever it is that they are right now to, you know, I, I guess, you, what, what is the goal? Serviceable at this point? I think that's the, the way you have to look at it. This group is not going to jump uh, up into the, as we said in the previous segment, not going to jump into the top 10 overnight. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it probably ultimately is, Bill, the, you know, a message to Mike Patton that, look, you've got to get this group in order. We at least have to be able to go out there and keep our team in ball games. I mean, what happened, not just in the second half, but in the first half too. And they're fortunate that those were time consuming drives on the part of Minnesota, because it looked like they could have put up as many points as they would have wanted to, or could have wanted to, uh, had they had more possessions, but you have to be able to come up with a stop, a stop, Mike Wicket, a single stop here or there at some <laughs> point. And you know, I, I, I'll, I'll say this: this goes back even to the the years in which Dom Capers uh, led this defense, Bill. I think they've always been built on the uh, the the idea of you're going to need one or two key plays throughout the course of a game to give yourself a chance to to survive and allow Aaron Rodgers and that offense to win the game for you. And they did that early on this season. Of course, the, the big one that comes to mind is Taysom Hills fumble uh, in that new Orleans game, because without that, I don't know that they go on and win that one. They need momentum shifting plays like that each and every week, especially if they're going to allow the opposing running back to gash them for six to eight yards, a, a pop. So um, look, circling back to what you said. Yeah. I think ultimately this does, fall on Mike Pettin, whether that's right or wrong or fair or not, because you can certainly make the case that the personnel isn't where it needs to be. But he does. He's got to find a way to make them better and at least be a group that keeps the offense hanging in a game.
3: So, Mike, uh, I look at it as Mike Pettin is – and I don't know. Look, as much as you can put this on Mike Pettin for what we witnessed last week, they lined up and just said we're going to run the ball at you. I mean, didn't they? It just, it, it came down more to fundamentals and just kind of knowing your spot more than anything. Now, some of that you can call coaching, but wasn't this just where they just beat you up and Dalvin Cook just beat you up? Well, wouldn't you, On, I mean, if it, and I
4: was watching all the, the the pregame shows and I watched a lot of the, you know, countdown shows and everybody said it's the windiest day. Every, every stadium had wind. And so as a football fan, even a novice football fan like myself, I thought, well, that means that there's there's going to be a lot of guys that aren't throwing for a lot of yards. So defensively, you would say, well, what if we force their quarterback into throwing the ball? Oh, who's their quarterback? Oh, it's Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins sucks. Even on a good day in a dome, Kirk Cousins sucks. Why in the world wouldn't you stack eight in the box? You have your all-pro corner out there and Jair Alexander the game plan should have been, we are not letting Dalvin cook who just got healthy coming off a bye week coming off an injury, you know, where he got back to hundred percent. Why wasn't the plan stack eight in the box and make Kirk cousins who sucks make that guy beat you. I mean, yeah, there might be a couple of plays where Adam Thielen gets a couple of balls or a big one for Jefferson or whatever, but I'd feel better knowing that Kirk cousins who sucks was my focus, as opposed to Dalvin Cook, and who is now the NFC player of the week <laughs> after scoring four right. touchdowns against Green Bay. This this was a terrible game plan put forth by Mike Pettin. He did not put his team in a good
3: spot to win last week. So let me ask you this, uh, Marcus, when we move forward now, I, I, and I can look at the – because I saw on – uh, on one series, they dominated. They ran the football right down the Packers' throats. The next series, you come out, you don't have as many big beefy bodies, and maybe you're going with more athleticism, try to catch Dalvin Cook and run him down rather than letting him run wild. I think I got the sense that Mike Pettin was just kind of throwing anything at the wall to see if anything stuck. And to me, that's more of an indictment, as, as Gary Ellison loves to say, it's more of the Jimmies and the Joes and the X's and the O's. If you're just throwing anybody and everybody out there to try to do something to try to get a stop, did you get that sense? Or do you think that it's just it, it was like like many were screaming, What what the hell is he doing out there?
0: No, oh, yeah, I, I 100% did. I'm with you, Bill. I I, I think that that's what Mike Patton ultimately uh, you know, arrived at is, look, nothing we are doing in this game is working. And historically, not a whole lot that they've done to try to to stop the run has worked real well. And I realize from season to season, you know, you go back the last couple of years, the personnel has changed a little bit, but they just haven't had the guys to be that type of a, a group. And that's one that can dominate up front. Sure. Kenny Clark is a, is a terrific talent and he can – do what he can do, but he's not going to be the, uh, you know, the end all be all for this group. He can't do it alone, quite frankly. So I, I, I saw that too. I thought at the end of the day, that's Mike Pettin resorted to w- let's throw whatever blitz packages we can out there, anything and everything to see if there's something that works against, uh, this Vikings offense, and I look, I understand uh, where Mike's coming from with that and trying to, to force Kirk cousins to throw, but it's just like, historically they haven't been able to do that against any team for the last couple of seasons that, that has wanted to run the football, no matter what they've thrown at them. Uh, the opposition has found a way. So, uh, I'm looking forward at this schedule, and you still have what Derek Henry down the road. I realize this is weeks away.
4: What's he going to do to this to this defensive front? Rush for two
0: fifty, right? It's frightening. And and Christian McCaffrey is expected to be back off of uh, IR here real soon, and they have the Panthers on the schedule, so two different backs. But I, I expect opposing teams to to run the ball 25 30 times moving forward bill it just seems like that's the easy formula for success against this packers defense and in turn you keep aaron Rodgers off the field
3: so keeping aaron Rodgers off the field he's got devontae adams end of list Uh, there you go (laughs) that's pretty much look i i I find it interesting (laughs) that's it that's it (laughs) Um, Look, in this upcoming game, the one thing that I found interesting was when you start to look at a lot of the breakdowns, they'll show you how many receptions each team has, how many receiving yards each team has, and it's usually uh, you know, a couple of wide receivers. In both of these teams' cases, it is a a wide receiver and a tight end. Now, for the 49ers, losing George Kittle, he's got 474 yards, and he's their top receiver on this team. Brandon Ayuk is the other guy, the young kid. Coming into this situation, while you've got Devontae Adams and Robert Tanyan with 309 yards, he's your leading receiver. Uh, and then there's a couple of other a couple of players that have 23 receptions, while Devontae Adams has 43. Do they have enough? Do you like the way they put guys in motion? They spread them around. Aaron Rodgers is—is is this an MVP season we're witnessing out of Aaron Rodgers? Because what they're doing should not really be done, but if not for Aaron
2: Rodgers,
4: no, it, it's not an MVP season because there are guys having special years it's a good year for Aaron. It's probably going to wind up being better than 2019, but it's not a special year. It's not the 2011 year where he was just absolutely bananas and setting records. I mean, what Russell Wilson's doing, you know, Patrick Mahomes will have a say in this, I'm sure for the MVP, Uh, there'll be some other guys in there. Um, It's, it's the whole idea of going back to what your quote from Gary Ellerson was X's and O's versus Jimmy's and Joe's. And for a long time, uh, I talked about it on my podcast, Wicket on Wisconsin, about it being about the the X's and the O's. Well, man, I'll tell you what, when your second best pass catcher, who is Aaron Jones, is out, Jamal Williams is a good receiver out of the backfield, and now all of a sudden you got Devontae and, I mean, Tunyon. I don't know if Tunyon's special. I don't think he's George Kittle or Darren Waller. I think he's an above-average tight end. Um, I, it's starting to come down to, man, looking at that trade deadline, going back to what we talked about out of the gate bill, boy, if Alan Lazard's not back till December or mid-December or if at all uh, this year, and we don't know his return date, I'm sure, I feel terrible looking at MVS, who I'm just done with. I mean, he, he's got the highest drop rate of any wide receiver in the National Football League. So they need to stop trying to make MVS a thing. And I don't know if they can continue to try to make EQ a thing because St. Brown... Keeps dropping the ball that hits him in the
0: hands. What, what are I, your other options, Mike? Not to I, what, what else can you do except try to make those guys a thing at this point? I mean, you're, you're you have to. It's it's a great question. I mean, they tried to
4: address it, and I know people want to go back to the draft. And man, looking at all these receivers, all these rookie receivers that are studs in the NFL, T. Higgins and and Chase
3: Claypool and IU Lam- on and, Thursday and J- J- and uh, Fer- uh, Ferguson or Justin Judy, Jefferson, Justin Ruggs. Jefferson, yeah.
4: Uh, C.D. Lamb, like all of these receivers. And I I was fine with the love pick, like whatever, fine. But everybody who wanted a wide receiver is coming back and the chickens are coming home to roost right now because Marcus, the answer is you need Aaron Jones healthy. He's your second best pass catcher on this team or else it's going to be a lot of Devontae, Tunyon and Sternberger
0: he's he's the linchpin to this offense and and it goes back to what Matt LaFleur wanted to do this season and and build around the run first quote unquote and then uh, allow Aaron Rodgers to play off of that look it, it says something and not a knock on Alan Lazard because he did a lot of great things uh, early on in those first couple of weeks of the season. But when your offense is relying on Alan Lazard, he's a fine receiver. He's he's, fine. He's a fine receiver. He is just like, like you said about Robert Tanyan, who is an above average tight end. These are, these are good players Uh, and not to take anything away from them, but for the Packers to go to that, what we always like to refer to as the next level, they need another perennial playmaker, another Elite guy opposite Devonte Adams, so not everybody can roll to him, you know, week in and week out. And I look, I realize credit to Adams because he still had two touchdown grabs in that first half last week. He's just that good. But you have to be able to mix and match a little bit, you know. Mike, you brought you know, up you're not a big fan of Malik
4: season. Shepherd. You don't think that's the guy to <laughs> to, to take home Lombardi's trophy?
0: <laughs> well, you go back to the 2011 season when Aaron Rodgers had a special year. Look at who we had on the outside. I mean you're throwing to, to Ford name brand receivers in, 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 in guys that are household names is the term I'm looking for there. And and you just don't have that right now, guys.
3: When we come back, I want to talk about the guys that are listed as questionable the guys that are listed as out and guys that maybe you cross your fingers. They actually play in this contest. Stay tuned. You got Marcus path. Also Mike Wicken alongside It's the bill Michael subtle brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. We got more after this.
2: Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
5: needed the type of we needed a very good player like emmanuel but
4: we also needed a person like emmanuel you know we had devo out there was coming on strong as a rookie we had born in a second year or third year player we wanted to get some type of vet in there and to have a vet available like emmanuel you know he came to help us huge from a talent standpoint i, mean, I think it would have been very hard to get to the super bowl if we didn't make that move and i'm forever grateful
3: to emmanuel for that welcome back to the program it's the bill michaels huddle that is Kyle Shanahan saying they wouldn't have made it to the Super Bowl without trading for Emmanuel Sanders last year. Packers. Shade. That was shade is what that was. That's Yeah, that was, uh, hey, you guys did nothing, and uh, we got you game. <laughs> uh, Packers, on the other hand, didn't do anything. I was I was watching today, guys. Uh, by the way, Marcus Paff alongside Mike Wickett as well, and uh, this is the Bill Michael Settle brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. I was watching today. All the national takes and all the trades that have gone down and all the teams that have made upgrades. And you talk about the Steelers, uh, the uh, Seattle Seahawks, you've got the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, you go through the list of Ravens, everybody, Tampa Bay. Everybody's making a move of some type to try to either fill a hole or bolster a weakness. And then came the Green Bay Packers analysis. So I thought, okay, I'll turn this up. I'll listen intently. And it was interesting because they said there's one of two reasons you don't make a move. Because at the end of the day, if you make a move and you're hoisting the trophy, you worry about next year, next year. Right now, you're Mm -hmm. talking about a team who's in the top three in the NFC and has some real capability of getting to to a Super Bowl. And they said you're doing one of two things, either one – You have that pick in Jordan Love, and you need to support him with everything you've got in a couple of years, and you're going to try to trim the fat and get all the defense around him you possibly can to support his first couple of years in the league to prove that you're the smartest guy in the room for taking Jordan Love, or you just don't think the Packers are a Super Bowl contender? Do you believe either of that? Let's start with Mike. Oh, man. I should have been on beer three and not beer two. (laughs) Uh...
4: (laughs) (laughs) listen if they're if they're loading up for defense for Jordan Love two years from now where's that at
3: you know I I don't see well the thought is is that you know some of this like Bakhtiari they won't pay Aaron Jones they won't pay so you start going on the cheap you just try to build through the draft you try to bolster your defense and you're setting yourself up for life after Rodgers I, I I always chuckle at people who look at the
4: statistic of Aaron Rodgers has thrown what one touchdown to a first round pick or whatever, whatever that statistic was and how he doesn't get a skill yeah. player. And the one year they finally take a skill player it's for his replacement. And I always think, ah, you guys, that's a bunch of malarkey. Like who really, you know, he doesn't really get upset about that stuff. And then the trade deadline. I mean, he's got no weapon outside of Devante who might be the best wide receiver in football or a top five or whatever. And after that, he has a bunch of guys. And while I don't think a second-round pick was was the right move to bring in Will Fuller, I just feel like Aaron's got to be sitting there thinking, "What? What? You want me to throw to Malik Shepard? You want me to throw to Jake Kumaro? You want me to throw to Marcus Paff? I mean, Marcus, you got some life left in those knees, right?"
0: No, no, I don't, Mike, but I'm probably (laughs) on par with the guys that they have out there right right now. No,
4: I, so you got to be sitting there if you're Aaron, like, dude, or, or even if you're Aaron, you're like, okay, you didn't get me Will Fuller, you didn't get me this, you didn't get me a a weapon. Could you at least help out my guys on the other side and get me the football two more times in a football game? I mean, if I'm Aaron, I got to be frustrated by that.
0: Marcus, yeah, I think it goes back to the draft. Just to to, to jump in, Bill, I I, I think it goes back to the, Frustration with the, the draft and not taking a out at that point. That's the time that you had to address that particular situation. And then you, you get to now, and and I have to wonder how much does the the situation that, that we're in, not just in, in in the sporting community, but in the world right now play into the thought process with this where you're saying we could trade an asset for the future. For a guy that's going to come in and just theoretically with Will Fuller, uh, we'd all be looking at him potentially as a rental. I've seen some people that say, well, maybe you could work on an extension. Okay, Uh, maybe that's the case. But if you bring in a short term guy here for future assets and we don't even necessarily know how this season is ultimately going to shake out. I just wonder if there's any trepidation there with that right now, because it's been an awkward year. To this point, we've been very fortunate that we've had football week in and week out, and, and we're all excited about that. But uh we, we've we seen some of the ugliness of it here uh, of late, too, with some guys out. And, and maybe you're, there's a hesitancy to say there's just too much uncertainty right now to risk it when the, the future feels, feels more like a sure thing.
3: So listen to what Aaron Rodgers say. Um, and, and Sam, I know you got it right there. Listen to what Aaron Rodgers said after the game. He was asked about the team trading and getting somebody else and trying to help him out. And and so this is what he had to say after the game. You talk about throwing shade after the game on Sunday when he was asked about getting additional help.
0: It's not a bad question, but it's not one that I can answer. We've had many conversations about this type of thing over the years. And I, you know, truly understand
3: my role. I'm not going to stomp for anybody. Last time I stomped for a player, you end up going to Buffalo. So uh, I like the guys that we have. We need more
0: production.
3: There you go. So he said, "The last time I stumped for a guy, he ended up in Buffalo. If that's not a shot, I don't know what is. I mean, that is, I'm, God.
4: Again, I don't want to buy into the Aaron's mad at the organization line, but every time he talks, you know, whether it was after the draft or, you know, that, that hour and a half or a half hour, whatever it was before the season began, you just keep getting the feeling more and more that the organization either doesn't ask and not that he's the quarterback he's not the assistant gm they don't ask they don't care um they just don't want to do anything to to help one of the great quarterbacks in the history of the national football league who's still on top of his game get back to the super bowl meanwhile you know they let russ cook they got him dk metcalf and the seahawks look like their offense is fantastic tom brady's like you know what I want Gronk. All right, cool. I want Leonard Fournette. All right, cool. I want Antonio Brown. All right, cool. Like, the the Buccaneers are listening to their quarterback, and you know Antonio Brown was a Tom Brady move. Bruce Arians and Antonio Brown, their histories with women are the polar opposite. I'm a little disappointed in Arians and, and what he has done for women in the National Football League to bring in Antonio Brown. But, Marcus, Antonio Brown can ball. And if you can win, we know this – if you can win, you can catch the ball, you get to the end zone, a lot can be forgiven.
0: Yeah, Tampa Bay knows there's a shelf life on Tom Brady, obviously, even though he doesn't seem to show that right. at any point. What in his is career. that shelf life, Marcus? <laughs> it, it, it might be like a Twinkie. Maybe in 20 years, we're still talking about Tom Brady under center. I don't know. But yeah, look, they're playing for the here and now. And that's not something that the Green Bay Packers have done. Not just in recent memory, but guys, almost in distant memory right now. I, I I think for Packer fans, Brett Favre's tenure comes into their thinking on all of this. You got one Super Bowl with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Brett, and now you have one with Aaron Rodgers. And I know we've heard this argument over and over again: two Super Bowls with with these two great guys. Uh, and I'm sure some people are tired of hearing it, but it's the truth. You've won two Super bowls with elite quarterback play for three decades. And there comes a point where you say it is time to win. Now we're we're appreciative of the longevity, you know, the success year in and year out. And I know, uh, look, there's a lot of organizations that would love to be in the playoffs every year, but the Packers are the Packers for a reason. They're held to a different standard. And yeah, I hear that clip bill with, with Aaron and it's not just a shot, but there's just a lot of exasperation there. We're saying we've uh, down this road up times.
3: Let's do this real quick. We got some breaking news. Uh, the left tackle of the 49ers, Trent Williams, wide receivers, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, placed on the COVID list as, as close contacts to Bourne, who also went on the COVID list. They are out for tomorrow's game against the Packers. No, Ayuk.
4: Who are who's nope. catching? Are they bringing back John Taylor? Or
3: is Jerry Rice going to back up? They got nobody, man. Holy moly! they their I mean, team is fire decimated. up Ross
4: Dwelly in your
3: fantasy league. uh
4: Holy that's, moly! That's that's brutal, Marcus.
3: <laughs> yep. So, breaking yeah. news. Yeah, Trent Williams, their big left tackle, Brandon Ayuk, their wide receiver, Debo Samuel, as well, all placed on the COVID list as close contacts, according to sources. See, uh, out there now, in San here, here's the
4: th- Bill, I, are we against a break, Bill, or can I, can I break Yeah, let's up do this.
3: Let's take a quick break. We'll come right okay. back. Uh, we're talking with Marcus Path, Mike Wick. It's spirited tonight. We got a lot more. The Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer
2: next. Wisconsin wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
0: bad question, but it's not one that I can answer. We've had many conversations about this type of thing over the years and I, you know, truly understand my role. I'm not going to stomp for anybody. Last time I stomped for a player, you end up going to Buffalo. So, uh, I like the guys that we have. We need more production.
3: Those, is, uh, those are the words of Aaron Rodgers. Welcome back. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by our friends of Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, and strawberry flavors. BudLight.com, that's the website. Marcus Paff alongside Mike Wickett here as well. The breaking news coming out of San Francisco. Left tackle Trent Williams and wide receivers Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel all placed on the reserve COVID list as they had close contact with Bourne, the wide receiver who is out due to COVID. They are out as well now. For tomorrow's game against the Packers, we were talking about uh, this matchup and about this team. And I, Marcus, we uh, we stopped you in the middle of a conversation to go to break real quick, so I will to let you finish where you where your thought was going.
4: We well, were we, we were trying to actually. What's funny, Bill, is uh, Marcus and I chatted about this during the commercial break, so we got a chance to, to get our thoughts together. If they win this football game, and they if the Packers win this game convincingly. Marcus, do you feel any better about Green Bay about beating no Debo, no Ayuk, no Raheem Mostert, no Kittle, no Garoppolo? No, no, they got no, do you. Feel good about no, this no, win? No, this, no, I mean, go through the
3: list. Yeah. yeah, this
0: is this is the Badgers taking on Cal Poly Week Two right here, <laughs> where you're going. All right, like, I guess it's a tune up. I don't really know what you stand to gain from this. You come away with a, a, you know, a big win, assuming that even happens for the Packers, because we know they're depleted as well. So there's a chance this could go uh, another way. Hopefully not. But no, you're right. I mean, you go into this game, and if you if you win big, okay. that, that You had your stud quarterback, and San Francisco was playing with Nick Mullins and a bunch of no-namers, uh, and you had Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and some no-namers, so you should win that matchup. But if you get beat, uh, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill, you're going to have a late Bill, night. Bill will have a fun night. Oh, day, my goodness, uh, yeah. Fun night, yeah. fun Friday.
3: <laughs> yeah, if they get beat, Mike, uh, you're not going to be the only one drinking. Uh, no, I know, right and I know now. you're not a huge
4: yeah. drinker, Bill, but I feel like to, it'll no. be the night for you to, to, uh, well, to join us.
3: Friday will be just the uh, best. We'll do the top five remedies to cure a hangover. That'll be our I'm, that'll be our topic on Friday. I'm,
4: I'm looking at their depth chart. I mean, do you know who they're going to throw? Who Nick Mullins? Which again, Nick Mullins is going to throw balls to. They just released Dante Pettis, which would be an interesting look for Green he Bay. He got picked up by the eight. Giants. Oh, man, I missed that one. Trent Taylor and Richie James. Yeah, that's like James. the, op- <laughs> I mean, that's like the opening scene in Major <laughs> League. Let's like Mitchell Friedman is catching yeah. balls from Nick Mullins. Well,
3: there's Charlie Warner, who is the sixth round draft choice, to tight end Ross Dwelly. You had mentioned, yeah, Richie James, Trent Taylor. That's your that's your group back there. Uh, Tevin Coleman, you're running back out of the backfield. Tevin McKinnon. Coleman's hurt. Yeah, Tevin Coleman's uh, nicked up. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was going through the uh, the, the list of uh, injuries, and uh, yeah, Tevin Coleman, the running back, he is listed as out. He's got that knee injury, and uh, he is out for this game. I, yeah, it's, fire up it's,
4: Jamichael Hasty. By the way,
3: Richie James, the wide receiver, is uh, questionable for this game. He's got a bad ankle.
4: Of course, yeah,
3: of course. I'm yeah. sure his ankle has COVID. Like my
4: God, this this is just. I mean, and and and. Again, if you win, okay. So what? Like when you looked at the schedule, this was the marquee game of the first right? half.
3: Like this should is they, Thursday. Should, night, should they call this thir- game? Should they cancel hmm? this game, or at least postpone this game till say, till say Monday night? I see. Selfishly, I
4: love Thursday night football, and as a selfish Packers fan, no, because the Packers' best opportunity is to play when all of these guys can't play. But from a responsible, you know, football fan standpoint. Marcus, I feel like the NFL should step in and say, no, but I think we're too late, right? Like we're too late. The Packers well, are already
3: there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I left earlier today. I mean, I'm kind of blown that they haven't stepped in, especially after you had to shut down the Niners facility. And and given all the injuries that they have, is it a responsible decision? No, it doesn't feel that way. But to, to echo Mike there, yeah. uh, Bill, I, I do think that if the, you know, from a Packers standpoint, you'd be happy to go out there tomorrow night and knock on wood, come away with a victory. Because if you, if you give, you know, if you give this more time that benefits the Niners more than it does the Packers.
3: Cause you could give both teams till Monday night to play this play game. Tuesday night. With... We've done Tuesday night football. Yeah. But you could give them till Monday night, let them turn it around and then be playing again on, on Sunday. And that's, that's a reasonable ask. For this, both teams to kind of get it together, retest everybody, and make sure everybody's clear—that type of thing. But yeah, this is this is almost almost comical. I mean, this could be where you walk out of the the tunnel if you're the Packers and you're looking over there, and there's a bunch of fat guys like tucking in their beer shirts, you know, going, "We're, we're, we're 49ers now." Uh, wild. Uh, we got another hour yet to go. That hour flew by. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's uh, brought to you by Bud Light, Seltzer, unquestionably good. Marcus Path, Mike Wicket. I'm Bill Michaels. Another hour yet to happen. Coming up next.
2: Listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels huddle.
3: Number two of the Bill Michael's huddle as we continue on. It's brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Only 100 calories, five-step filtration process. that ensures a cleaner finish and no lingering aftertaste. Coming in flavors of pineapple, strawberry, cranberry, and grapefruit. Go to BudLight.com. Mike Wicket alongside Marcus Paff here tonight as well. And if you're just tuning us in, uh, there have been some additional players from San Francisco put on the COVID list. Left tackle Trent Williams will not be playing along with wide receivers Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel as well, placed on the reserve COVID list as they have close contact with the wide receiver Bourne, who was also placed on the COVID list, and therefore they are out for tomorrow's night tomorrow night's contest uh, against the Green Bay Packers. Um, guys, Mike, I'll start with you. Where do the Packers fall in the NFC right now, do you think?
4: Uh, they're a... Uh... God, this just keeps – it's such a week-to-week league, Bill. Like, because a couple of weeks ago when the Buccaneers lost to the Bears, I thought, well, the Buccaneers don't belong in the conversation. And then the Bears, you know, at one point were 5-1. and one, And we're like, Do we have to take them seriously? I think the Buccaneers are the best team in the NFC. Um, after that, everybody has a lot of questions. I mean – Seattle can't stop any. How does Carlos Dunlap help? How does Jamal Adams help when he comes back? Green Bay can't stop any uh, anybody on the ground. So you know that that knocks them down a peg. I'd say they're in that second tier, but I think that second tier includes a lot of teams. Nobody in the NFC East. Uh, I, I think Go the on, Saints no. are going to be even more for real when they get Michael Thomas back. I'm not buying into Arizona. I don't think they're for real. Um, so I, I think they're in that second tier, but there's not a ton of teams I would put ahead of them in the NFC. By the way, yeah, some who's, other who's news the first today. Tier then, Mike? Like, oh, go ahead. Just Tampa? Ahead. I think – can can you have one tier or one team be in a tier? I mean, is it just Tampa? I guess you got to else there, right? Tampa and Seattle, I think, would be in my top two – it would be the top two teams in the NFC just because of the season Russ is having – how dangerous that offense is with lockin and, and DK Metcalf. I mean, DK Metcalf, he's got that Randy Moss feel, like he's just an, a, a freak over everybody else. He has a physical advantage. He's got the blazing speed. I mean, you saw when he catches the ball and starts running away from guys, nobody catches him. I don't know if they can play any defense yet. And and you know, I was listening to uh, to Colin Cowherd the other day. And he's talking about how they are just a play away from being undefeated. Well, yeah, they're also an Alexander Madison, two steps to the right on the goal line from having a couple of losses. And we look at them a lot different. So I'd have Tampa and Seattle in that top group and then Green Bay right there. It doesn't mean Green Bay can't get there, but that's where I would put them, Marcus.
3: Marcus, where do you think the Packers belong in the tier, if you want to call it that, or maybe even your top three to five, or what happened—the teams that actually feel as if they can make it to a Super Bowl in the NFC? Yeah. Well, do you think—do those... you think about the Rams? Do you think about the Cardinals? I don't take I, I agree with Mike. I don't take anybody from the NFC East, and I think Chicago is a paper tiger. But there's Tampa Bay. There's New Orleans. I, I think those two teams are viable as well.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, Bill. That's, uh, that's how I kind of look at this too. It is one of those seasons, and you could probably say this every year in the NFL, the, the longer we go, the less we actually know because uh, inevitably there are bumps in the road with these teams. And, and maybe this is why, to go back to our conversation about the, the trade deadline, maybe this is why Brian Gutekunst felt like, now nah, we're fine, we're, we're in the thick of this because, yeah, I look at Tampa Bay and New Orleans, I look at Seattle – I am probably a little bit higher on Arizona than uh, than Mike is but still would consider the Packers to be a better team than them at this point. So you've got sort of this cluster of uh, of three four teams. The Packers are right there and you saw for what a quarter at Tampa Bay where Green Bay looked like they were going to run away with the thing and I know that it was uh, it turned out to be a, an absolute debacle and a forgettable game but I, I think with some adjustments, they're very capable of going and, and playing against a Tom Brady-led Buccaneers. If they team. play,
4: if they played Tampa five times, how many do you think they win, Marcus?
0: I I'd probably say two, but I that's that tells me they're capable. In five, you know, two out of five is not is not you know one out of five, not nine out of five. Obvi- like, like look, I realize I'm making an obvious statement, but the point is, if you get to the postseason and you were up against Tampa Bay. I feel like they go into that game with a very legitimate shot to come away with a victory. And, maybe again, I'm I'm echoing myself, repeating myself, but maybe that's why you don't make a move right now because of the uncertainty and because of the fact you're in that mix.
3: I'll say this, Mike. um, I feel better about them going up against Tampa Bay because I saw them move their offense, even though Tampa Bay made adjustments and then obviously the two picks swung the game. I saw their offense operate. Whereas go back to last year against San Francisco, their offense never operated. They were never in those games. They never had a shot. So I felt that they had a command at one point of that game early on and their own ineptitude, some of the plays obviously locking on Devontae Adams, him coming back and throwing the two picks and the pick six, that changed the momentum of the game. And then I saw this reversion back to almost this mike mccarthy-esque offense where aaron Rodgers suddenly was looking for Devontae, 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 patting the ball running with the ball no motion out of the huddle slowly time of possession became really flipped they were out of their rhythm they didn't have anything going on and it almost looked as if i want to say they panicked whereas they, they, last year against san francisco they had no shot
4: bill they, they, in that tampa game was it was interesting you know i I think when we look at some of these statistics and pro football focus and these analytics and whatnot, it, it it's such a thing we didn't do growing up, but now we do. The Packers were using motion on 56% of their plays going into that Tampa game. Now the game script changed. We know that, but in that game, they use motion on 35% of the plays, right? I don't know what, how much motion matters when you're down 38, 10, but the, the, the day, the, the, the lack of motion really bothered me. And it wasn't like Tampa in that first half played spectacular on offense. The pick six, obviously, bad play by Aaron. The next play, forcing it to Devontae. They've set Tom Brady up at the two. Then it was: we're going to let Tom Brady pick us apart. We're only going to rush three inside the 20 on Tom Brady. And we're, that was the Tyler Johnson touchdown on Josh Jackson in the back in on the back in the back of the end zone which again, that's another head scratcher on Mike Pettin. Like, you know, the way to beat Tom Brady is to get him off his mark. He's immobile. Rush the ancient quarterback. They didn't do that. Like that made no sense to me. So I, I agree with the both of you. I think they can hang with Tampa. Can they hang with Tampa with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, uh, Gronk, who is looking like the old Gronk, uh, and also the Fournette Rojo backfield.
3: That's a different story. Uh, let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and uh, we'll talk a lot more about this matchup. We'll talk more about this Green Bay Packers team, the NFC, the NFL in general. We'll start to make our picks after the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Marcus Path, Mike Wickett. I'm Bill Michaels. Back after
2: this. Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. <laughs>
0: When you have more hats to the ball, it's less missed tackles. It's a lot harder to, to tackle when
4: you know it's one on one in the open field. Going in the film, you know, I would see more of where um you know where we can avoid being in those one on one situations.
3: Those are the words of Adrian Amos talking about the poor tackling on this team. Welcome back. It's Bill Michaels-Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Marcus Paff here. Mike Wickett is here. The Green Bay Packers defense have missed – they missed 11 tackles on Sunday in the loss to the Vikings. They have had 63 missed tackles in the past seven games. Uh, you got uh, Chris Barnes with a bad shoulder. You've got uh, Christian Kirksey is out. You've got uh, Kamal Martin on the COVID list. Uh, Mike Pettin trying to figure out how to get this team better. Um, Other than just scheme, because I still think the secondary is pretty good. Adrian Amos talking about making, you know, better angles and all the little things that you can possibly do. Um, Let me start with you, Mike. You know, defensively, and we talked about this in the first hour, but if you're the coordinator, what do you do? Because I right now, other than you've got Kenny Clark, you've got your guys up front. Preston Smith, who looks to be not nearly as aggressive, is or st- is he still
4: on the roster? Bill is is yeah he uh, still, still well on he, he's roster? on the
3: roster and a milk carton. Okay. Um, but but it just it's I watched him a couple of times try to set the edge against Dalvin Cook. Didn't get on the inside at all, and almost as if he was just standing there. It just not as engaged as maybe he was last year. I, I don't know. what If you're going to do something or anything because you kept the roster the same, if you're good what is it? The exact opposite of whatever you're doing right now. <laughs> I
4: mean, <laughs> there, there's just, and I agree 100% about Preston Smith. And and look, Zadarius Smith is a great defensive player. He's not having a great year. Kenny Clark is a real good, dare I say, great defensive player. He's not having a great year. Preston Smith was good last year. I I feel the same way you do, Bill. It's like the ball gets snapped and he just sort of stands there and waits to react before trying to wreak any havoc, which we saw more from his role a year ago. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I just know that this team doesn't tackle – They don't scheme to put their, their players in the best situations. Uh, I like their secondary, you know, we just heard from Adrian Amos. He made the big play against, was it Calvin Ridley on Monday night football, you know, on a couple of weeks ago, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that, that Jair Alexander is really good. I like Shandon Sullivan. Uh, I think he's got, especially from where they, uh, how they obtained Shandon Sullivan, Kevin King remains a mystery. And Marcus, he's out for this one. He's injured. He's out, I believe for, for this one. And Kevin King is the most divisive player on the green Bay Packers. If you listen, if you look at any game and Kevin King makes a play or doesn't make a play, your Facebook is split. So I don't know how you feel, but I just don't think Marcus that you can do a whole lot. It's like, you can't cook a different meal if you don't have new
0: ingredients. Well and part of we all know this what comes back to it for Kevin King is is who the Packers passed up on that night in the draft TJ Watt has gone on to have a pretty good start to his career and I would imagine he's probably going to have a, a pretty good remainder of his career as well but yeah yeah that's he is he's an anomaly I, I, I'm an enigma I don't know week in and week out what I'm getting out of him I don't know week in week out if he's going to be healthy although fortunately he's been a, a little bit better in that regard of late. You know, to to Bill's question, what do you do? I I think Mike Petton's asking himself that, and he's asking himself that in the uh, the second half of games right now. Going, that didn't work. That didn't work. This personnel package didn't work. I'm left with this. Let's you know, let's try bringing Darnell Savage up the left edge, or, or you know, just it it feels like you're throwing darts at the wall right now. I realize it's not that bad. Uh, Mike Petton undoubtedly is a lot more organized than that, but. it's just you you've only got you can only play with the personnel that you have preston smith zadarius smith were brought in to be difference makers last year in this defense last year they were this year as both of you have already pointed out preston smith is not and zadarius smith is not the same player that he was and when you subtract the the type of difference that they made a season ago from this current group you're you're left with this. You
4: expected Rashawn Gary to get better and make more oh, of an impact, yes. and he hasn't, and I and I think there's still time for him. Like, I don't throw Rashawn Gary out. And, Bill, I watched Blake Martinez play on Monday night, and the guy is still the same player he was in Green Bay, slow but mm-hmm. a tackling machine. I think, Bill, I think they missed Blake Martinez just to be in the middle and to tackle.
3: I, Which I would completely agree. At least you were, you know, the old adage was he was A.J. Hawk. He was all downfield. Which and is okay, fine. which is fine. But mean? at least he would have he would have caught Dalvin Cook at some point. You would figure, and still brought him down, and it kept him from going fifty one yards on a on a or quick at least screen. In his way, <laughs> or at least made him stumble. I, I guess might be the yeah. best way to put it. So look, we talk so much about Brian Goodenkin and and what he has not done. What he has done, you look at a guy like Elkin Jenkins. Jair Alexander is very good. We know that there's some talent, both offensively and defensively. Some guys that he has brought in. You know, every year I've always said with, at the end of Ted Thompson's uh, tenure, if you're not getting pro bowlers, you're staying about the same. You're just transferring beef is all you're doing. It's interchangeable bits, as, as, the late, great Paul Brown used to say. It's, it's, that's all you're doing. So you, you look at what he's got in that secondary. How good is the secondary of the Green Bay Packers? Let's start there. Marcus, I'll ask you how, how good, if you're going to put these in some of the top five, top ten uh, of the secondaries in the National Football League, where does, where do you think these guys rank?
0: Well, I certainly think they could be a top third with the talent that they have back there. Now, that's all provided that Kevin King can play like the best version of himself. Because we talked about how polarizing he is. When he's good, he's he's pretty damn good. And we know Jair Alexander is a talent. I think Darnell Savage was one of the uh, the picks that Brian Gutekunst obviously hit on. And Adrian Amos is is, is a very good safety as well. So yeah, I look, I put them in the top third. They can probably be. Uh, he, even better than that if they had some help at, at some of these other positions. And look, Kenny Clark is, uh, is stellar, but you're just not getting it out of the linebacking core right now uh, the way that you need to see. And let's be honest, like for, for all the good picks that that Brian Gudekunst and Ted Thompson for that matter made uh, it is the, it is the misses that ultimately stand out. And, that's what leads to this – to circle all the way back to the, the frustration with overdoing nothing at the deadline and saving your draft capital, that's what leads to all this frustration because too many times we've seen it not pan out as well. So, you know, they're, they're both a coin toss to a certain extent.
3: We talk about uh, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, bringing in Adrian Amos. Uh, Darnell Savage Jr., when he's healthy, has been aggressive, and I like the way he has played, Mike. I consider this, this secondary really good. That leaves you with up front, when you look at the likes of, of, everybody says, well, Kenny Clark, he should be on the verge of being a Pro Bowler. I I would tend to agree with that. I don't know if this year is going to qualify, but certainly in the past it has, which off, honestly got him the money. Then you look at Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, Montrevious Adams. Is this just all a bunch? And the way it was described to me in, at Super Bowl was by a lot of different pundits was you got a bunch of guys, bunch of dudes that are just there. They're not terrible. They're not great. They're just there. Is that the way? Best way you could describe the front front four of the Green Bay Packers?
4: It's just like the wide receiving core. You've got one special player in in Devonte Adams. Like you have a special player, I think, in in Zedarius Smith. And then you got a bunch of guys. You don't have anybody. I mean, maybe Kenny Clark is the is the the Devonte Adams of this defensive line. And then a bunch of guys, a bunch of Malik Shepherds, a bunch of MVS's up there. I mean, Lowry made a play the other night. Okay, fine. You know, they, they might make a couple of plays here and there. But they don't – I mean, again, it goes back to they acquired Preston Smith to be a difference maker. They acquired Christian Kirksey to be a difference maker. He's not the tackling machine that Blake Martinez is, but he's the athlete. He's going to track down that that running back who's – Headed towards the sideline before he can turn the edge. He's going to be able to hang with a tight end when we know Blake Martinez can't. I mean, those guys, those dudes you're talking about, Bill, up front, along with these linebackers, they would make Kevin King better. They would make Jair Alexander better. They would make Savage and Amos better if they could get a pass rush, if they could stuff the run, if they could do anything that would push the needle and push the offensive line. But they don't occasionally here and there you see Zedarius get in and he lifts up his shirt. I'm going to do that on the video here, Bill, so you can see my belly. <laughs> like, you, you just, you don't see any consistency out of it. And whether it's their want to, whether it's the scheme, I, I don't know, but it all, as we know, it all works together. There's no push up front, which means the secondary, even with having a special player like Jair, the, the secondary can get exposed.
0: How long have uh, we been saying this, too, Bill? I feel like you know we could take this conversation that we're having right now, and say that it came from 2015 or even mm-hmm. you know 2013, and it would be applicable. Where you're saying, all right, they've got a couple of uh, a they got really... BJ Raji, and that's it. Yeah, and then there's a bunch of guys, right? right. I mean, I, I feel like we've been doing this year in and year out, and the Packers can't seem to find a way around that. And I, I'm making the same point over and over, but it, it ties back to the trade deadline and the frustration. It feels, it's like the Brewers and pitching for all those years. You know I'm saying? <laughs> well, they can't, they can't develop their own guys. You better go out and, and acquire somebody on the trade market. And that's what it feels like here. Sure, you have one or two standouts here and there, but you need a few more guys than that if you want to put together a defense that's going to elevate this offense and take the team as a whole to another Super Bowl.
3: By the way, Adam Schefter reporting the game remains on track to be played per sources with the NFL. Thursday night football is a go, even if the 49ers wide receivers and the Packers running backs are not available. Why are we
4: playing this game? It's like Wisconsin infected Illinois a week and a half ago, and the Illini lost a dozen guys. Why are we playing this football
3: game? uh, uh, By the way, Trent Taylor, the uh, lone wide receiver, left for the 49ers on their active roster. (laughs)
0: Oh my god! This is going to be like a wing tea game here. Right? I guess. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yep. But uh, boy, hey, that works well, well for
4: st- San Francisco though, because the Packers are soft up the middle. They don't need to throw the ball. Just they're going to run a lot. Yeah. The gut.
3: Yeah, they're going to run a lot. I wouldn't even put uh, safeties on the field at this point. Just put all all linemen and a right. bunch of dudes and see what <laughs> it's
0: happens. i because that's where the Packers' strength
3: lies, too, is, of course, in the secondary. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll start to look around the rest of the league and start making some picks. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by our friends at uh, Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Coming up after this.
2: 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Coach, uh, your Pro Football Focus had you for 11 missed tackles in the game, 63 in seven games this season. Can you get a handle on this and correct it, or are you just what you are?
4: No, I would never say you're just what you are. I mean, it's something that, that even, even when we're not in pads, I mean, we always try to find a way to incorporate, incorporate into our individual drills each coach yeah i mean to to your point it's it's um it's difficult but it's i mean it's
3: it's you we all go through it and and uh if we want to be successful we we certainly have to be better the questioner was wayne larry the voice of the green bay packers the questionee was mike petten Packers missed 11 tackles on Sunday, 63 over the last seven games, according to Football. I actually thought, football Bill, football. they missed 63 on Sunday, so I'm glad they can <laughs> clarified
4: those
3: numbers. Uh, the voice you hear, that's Mike Wickett, also Marcus Paff, as well as uh, we are joined uh, on the Bill Michaels Huddle tonight, brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Time now to get around to the rest of the National Football League. We'll start making some picks. Uh, You've got the Broncos that are on the road uh, between these two teams. The Falcons hosting, by the way. Broncos, I I don't know what to make of the Broncos. At one point, they look like they have life. The next point, uh, they they don't. Uh, They look just flat out bad. The Falcons, meanwhile, they have figured out new ways to lose, but they won two out of their last three. Um, Mike, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to take the Falcons actually in this game. I just think that they have more talent. and It just hasn't shown to this point, and maybe they're starting to turn the corner and get a few wins under their belt. Uh, so I'll take the Falcons, Mike. The uh, I'm going to go Broncos
4: here. The their effort last week against the Chargers was impressive, and I think Drew Locke is good. I don't know if he's great, but I think he's good. Uh, he's got a lot of weapons. I, the Melvin Gordon and Phil Lindsay backfield is is pretty impressive. I don't know if Calvin Ridley plays in this game. I don't know if we have an update on the Falcons wide receiver, but Marcus, I'll go with the Broncos in the upset.
0: Yeah, I'm with Bill on this and I'll probably get burned for like the eighth time this year, because I think I've picked the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> week in and week out with the same rationale of, well, they have too much talent to continue to be this bad and it it comes back and bites me. But Bill, to your point, it looks like maybe they're finally turning the corner playing at home uh, although it's a little bit different than it has been in years past with no fans. Nonetheless, I will uh, they take haven't it. won that. a game at home. They're 0-4 at home.
3: Yep, that's, that, that is That is a goofy stat, absolutely.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot of logic to picking Atlanta anymore, <laughs> but I'm still doing it.
3: Yeah, beautiful stadium, though. Love that place. Mercedes-Benz sure. Stadium is absolutely fantastic. Hey, you got the 6-1 Seahawks going from uh, the top of the country to the other side of the country to where Buffalo resides to take on the 6-2 Bills. I, as much as I want to say Russell Wilson's going to be the man, uh, the weather, by the way, is not going to be bad in Buffalo. So it's not like going to, the weather's going to play a factor in this, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the Bills at home. I, I think the Bills got a lot of juice, even though it's a bad, bad Patriots team. The Bills finally got that monkey off their back. They're feeling it right now. I'm going to go with the Bills at home on this one, Mike.
0: I
4: like the bills as well. You can throw all day, even when they add Carlos Dunlap or whatever, you can throw all day on Seattle. Uh, Josh Allen needs, he hasn't been great since the first couple of weeks of the season. I think they bounce back. Plus Zach Moss is starting to take over that starting job from uh, Devin Singletary. So I will take Buffalo at home because Marcus, aren't you supposed to take the team that's on the East coast when the West coast team travels and plays the early game?
0: You are, and both of you have almost swayed me to uh, jumping on the <laughs> Buffalo bandwagon. Almost, but I made this pick earlier today as well with some friends, and I'm going to stick with it. Uh, Seattle, look, you've got the MVP candidate, we uh, obviously with uh, with Russell Wilson, and the Bills have just been up and down. I still can't tell if they're like the the worst good team in the the league right now, or or or, or what they're actually capable of. So, given the uncertainty uh, and the history of the Seahawks as a uh, a very good team. I will take them going out east.
3: Then you got the Colts. They are hosting the Ravens. By the way, the Ravens are working out uh, Tremont Williams because they've had some injuries in their secondary. So Tremont Williams working out for the Ravens today. But the Colts. Colts have been, even though uh, Philip Rivers has not been the most impressive when it comes to arm strength of a quarterback, they've figured out ways to win. And I am not. I never have been a huge Lamar Jackson fan. He continues to. Do it with his feet, but he doesn't do it with the arm consistently. I believe the Ravens' defense is pretty solid. I think the Colts playing at home. This is a good matchup. I'm going to take the Colts at home. Believe it or not. i um, back to Marcus.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm on board too. I, I actually taken the Colts in this one because of a lot of what you said. I. This year, after an MVP caliber season or an MVP season period last year from Lamar, we've seen some of the flaws exposed. It feels like defensive coordinators may be catching up a little bit with how to, to game plan and scheme against him. So uh, Indy, nothing flashy, nothing special, but I'll take him in this one.
4: I'll, I'll like Baltimore on the road. Uh, they are three and zero on the road so far this year. And if they lose and lose more ground to Pittsburgh in that division, that's going to be tough to overcome because the Steelers are going to be rolling Lamar reward of advice. Beware of the magical season. He's not having the year he had last year. He threw four picks last week against Pittsburgh, but I don't believe in Phil rivers. That's a running back by committee. Jonathan Taylor is not healthy there in Indy. I like Baltimore on the road in a close one. Should be a good one to watch. This is why you like when the Packers play on Thursday because red zone can fire up for games like this.
3: Well, you got uh, the Seahawks and the Bills, obviously. The Ravens mm-hmm. and the Colts are a good one, and then you got this absolute barn burner and a thriller between the one and six Texans and the one and six Jaguars. Something's got to give, <laughs> for God's sake. Uh, you know, I, I'm not really picking a team because I think they're going to win. I'm just picking it with my heart. I hope JJ Watt just loses some of the frustration and they finally get a win. So I'm just going to pick the Texans on the road just because. Mike, that, uh, that, that press conference he had last week. I, I mean, that looked
4: like, I, I thought that was it. I thought that was the the nail in the coffin and JJ is going to be gone and, and hopefully the green Bay uh, Gardner Minshew's not starting. They're starting a rookie quarterback, which to me means that uh, Whitney Merciless and JJ Watt are going to have big games. Look for the the Texans to win this one. Big.
0: Mike, that was more analysis than anybody could possibly give for this. You uh, want me to break um, out more of this the, matchup, yeah. the Jags? <laughs> you, you have more on, on the Jags. <laughs> I, I, I'm taking I'm taking Houston as well because much like Atlanta, at least for the first three to four weeks of the season, I kept I kept thinking they're going to break through and uh, you're going to see some of that talent with the with Deshaun Watson on display and offense and JJ Watt. Unfortunately, it feels like those are the only two guys that they have, uh, mm-hmm. and much like the Packers, a bunch of other guys. So, uh, nonetheless, I think uh, in Jacksonville, Houston wins this.
3: Got the Panthers on the road at 3-5, taking on the 7-1 Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are just the, the cream of the crop right now, and just because I'm taking the Chiefs, they're that good. Back to you, Marcus.
0: Yeah, I I don't know how you can pick against Kansas City right now and, and Mahomes. They are. They're the, they're the best team in the league, and I'm sure I, I'm sure we'll have continue to have conversations about – whether or not they can be beat and there'll be ups and they will be downs the rest of the way. But end of the day, Kansas City's still the favorite to go back and, and win it all top to bottom, the most talented roster, in my opinion, I'll take them. The Raiders beat
4: the chiefs at arrowhead and they did it by running Josh Jacobs down the chief's throat. Christian McCaffrey's back this week, should be back this week. So I think this game's close. I'll take the chiefs, but I don't know what the point spread is, but I would gladly take, bridgewater who doesn't make a lot of mistakes 11 11 11 give mm-hmm. give me give me christian mccaffrey dj moore robbie anderson teddy two gloves give me the uh, panthers plus the 11 that's a big number when you're big bringing, number when you're bringing in the nfl that's a huge number bill i'll take the
3: panthers and the points but i will take the chiefs outright yeah the panthers yeah it's been bet down to 10 and a half but yeah it's uh yeah, that's that's a pretty sizable spread. That's As a matter of fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that is is that the biggest spread? No, no, there's one that's bigger, and we'll get to that game. There's That's the second biggest spread of the week. Uh, meanwhile, the Lions found out that Matthew Stafford has COVID. He is on the list. He will not be playing this weekend against the Minnesota Vikings. So the Lions on the road over at U.S. Bank Stadium. The Vikings coming off of the win over the Green Bay Packers. Uh, obviously, Dalvin Cook healthy and feeling good. The Lions, without Matthew Stafford, I don't think, are anywhere near the same team. I'm going to take the Vikings at home mike back to you quick who's the backup quarterback nobody knows nobody cares david blau is the
4: backup quarterback and right behind him is chase daniel uh yeah. who has made a career i'd actually trust a...
3: chase daniel more than i would take david blau
4: <laughs> well blau's 25 and might be part of the future chase daniel's 34 so i, I well don't I forget don't, they got
3: adrian peterson too now
4: that's a revenge factor. That's one of those kinds of things. But losing Stafford, Galladay's hip injury, he's probably not playing in this one. I mean, they're looking at adding Mohamed Sanu to their roster. So you have to take Dalvin Cook and, and, and the Vikings at home.
0: Yeah, Minnesota finally figured out that that is the formula to win on offense for them, not putting it in Kirk Cousins' hands and letting your, your all-pro back carry the rock time and time again. And so I, I think they hopefully figure that out at Green Bay. Dalvin Cook continues to get uh, fed the ball this week and they run away with this one at home.
3: I guess the Lions actually Matthew Stafford is the quote close contact to someone who had COVID. So as of right now, he is out, but he could apparently, uh, you know, according to the NFL, I guess he could possibly play if he tests enough times negative, so we'll wait and see. Then you got the Bears and the Titans. This is a good one because you've got uh, a, a defense that can stop the run in the Chicago Bears, and God knows the Titans can run the football. And the Bears, their offense stinks, and the Titans don't have a bad defense, even though they couldn't control Joe Burrow last week in Cincinnati. Uh, I think the Bears are going to take another loss. I think uh, a lot of reality starting to sink back in for Chicago. Titans are coming off an embarrassing loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. Marcus, I'm taking the Titans. Yeah,
0: I'm taking the Titans as well. I think coming off that loss, as you pointed out, uh, they're they're ready to go. Mike Vrabel has them ready to go. Derrick Henry running downhill. And, yes, while it is a stout Chicago defense, Henry's just uh, – he, he's a load to deal with quarter in quarter out play in play out and at some point he breaks through um probably sooner than later earlier than later in that game and uh, Tennessee ends up winning this one you can run
4: on the Chicago Bears it's tough to throw on the Chicago Bears they have a great pass rush they have Khalil Mack they've got Roquan Smith they have good corners but you can run on that team and that's bad news for the Bears uh I don't know the health of their wide receiving core right now they are going to continue to try to make David Montgomery a Thing, even though he's not a thing. No, their um, run
3: offense is terrible.
4: And they don't have much of a pass rush either. Um, I'm just, They don't have much of a, a, a defensive front against uh, a, a running back like Derrick Henry. So I, I would gladly take the Tennessee Titans. I think Tannehill has a decent day, but it's all about Henry and, and this running attack.
3: Let's do this. We'll step away, take a quick break, come back, and make the picks for the remainder uh, of the games in the NFL, including the Green Bay Packers, coming up tomorrow night. It's the Bill Michael Huddle brought to you by Bud Light. Seltzer, unquestionably good. We'll be back after this.
2: Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
5: Certainly, I I do. I do think that the juice, if you will, uh, of our football team isn't where it needed to be. You know, you mentioned that this was—we've had fans the past two games, and then coming back into this environment, it is a little bit different. And you got to bring your own energy. And guys have got to dig deep sometimes to 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 bring that out. And if you feel like somebody else doesn't have it, you got to bring them along with you. So we need to find the guys that are going to step up, be the leaders, be be the people that are going to bring that that positive energy to our football team because if you don't have it it's it, you just aren't going to be at your best.
3: There you go. That is Matt LaFleur saying uh, the team needs to bring the energy. Now, can they do it on the West Coast? That's been problematic for uh, Matt LaFleur's teams since taking over last season. Not once, not twice, but three separate times they didn't have the energy when they went out to the West Coast. Welcome back. Final segment of the Bill Michaels huddle, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer and unquestionably good. Mike Wicket, Marcus Pfaff, both here. We get back to making the picks. So the remaining games, you got the one and seven Giants, who actually played the other night with some heart against Tom Brady and company, but still came up with a losing end. Taking on the two and five Washington football team. I'm just gonna say for blanks and giggles, I'm gonna go with the Giants, even though they did take a loss, and even though they're the road team. Uh, they just showed me a little something. Maybe a little spunk, maybe a little heart. Maybe that's all they had left in them. Who knows? But I'm going to take the Giants, Marcus.
0: We're on the, the same wavelength. I don't know. It's a little scary there, Bill. But, yeah, that's uh, that's where I was headed, to, having watched that game a couple of nights ago. That was the best we've seen them look. Talked to a couple of friends who are our, our Giants fans, and and even they were actually... Uh, a little bit excited for probably the first time all season. So uh, some life on offense, Daniel Jones. I mean, I, I think we're all wondering, or certainly Giant fans are wondering whether or not he's going to be part of the long-term plan uh, next year or beyond. That probably has more to do with whether Dave Gettleman's around. But uh, in the immediate, just talking about this game this week, Washington, a very beatable team, and uh, New York taking a little bit of momentum, even out of a loss. I'll take them here.
4: Washington coming off a bye. I like Antonio Gibson running like uh, Leonard Fournette did a week ago. And Scary Terry has
3: a big day against that secondary. Bill, I'll take the Washington football team. Then you got the Raiders. They are on the road, and they're taking on uh, the San Diego, the former San Diego Chargers, now the L.A. Chargers. Catch myself there. I really like what Justin Herbert has been doing. Unfortunately, he's been on a team that just hasn't been able to put everything together. Uh, as much as I uh, really kind of appreciate what Herbert's doing, I think I still got to go with the Raiders in this one, Michael.
4: Do you know that the Chargers are the first team in NFL history to lose four straight games with 16-point leads? I mean, that takes some skill and some lack yes. of closing ability to be able to pull off. Like, I've seen some bad Brewers bullpens, and that is what this feels like. I believe the Raiders, and and I know I'm going to be crazy, I think the Raiders are a top-three team in the AFC I think that is a team with Jacobs running hard. David Carr is bought in and runs Gruden's system well. They've got a great tight end in Waller. I'm going to take the Raiders, and I think that this is a team that could. I mean, they beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. I think that's a team that could be in the mix when we get to December.
0: Marcus? They could be. They could be. Yeah, that's the thing about the Raiders right now. Having watched them to this point in the season, I still don't know how good or how bad they really are. I I think they have the potential to, on any given week, look really solid and and play very well, the case in point, the, the Chiefs game, Mike, that you mentioned. Uh, but then there are also some – there have been some some clunkers along the way and then some stupid mistakes. And then the stupidity outside of the facility, too, that's led to them being fined on multiple occasions for not adhering to the uh, the, the COVID, uh, COVID restrictions. So uh, I realize that doesn't necessarily have an effect on, on how they perform on the field, but I say all that to go, mm, I'm, I'm still not sure. That being said, right now, coming uh, off of a, a win in Cleveland, I, I think they will find a way to keep it rolling – uh, at the Chargers, so I, I will take the Raiders. But it wouldn't be the first time I've been burned by them this year either.
3: We'll uh, blow through these last five games here real quick. We got about two minutes to go. Uh, the Dolphins on the road of four and three, taking on the five and two Cardinals. I really like the Cardinals and what they're doing out there. I don't think they're ready to fly just yet, but I really like that team. I'm taking the Cardinals, Mike.
4: Don't believe in Tua yet, but I think Miami is a better team than the record shows. That being said, I'll take the bird,
3: the uh, the birds
0: in this one, Marcus. Yeah, I'll take the Cardinals as well. They're they're figuring it out here.
3: The other it. large point spread uh, this weekend, the biggest one, is the Steelers on the road taking on the craptastic uh, Mike McCarthy-led Dallas Cowboys. By the way, this is a 13, now 14-point spread in this contest. I'm taking the Steelers all the way, Marcus.
0: Yeah, Steelers, Dallas has shown us nothing this season to have any sort of faith in. Give me Pittsburgh. If you have any Pittsburgh
4: Steelers on your fantasy team, fire them up and feel confident. That Dallas defense is
3: awful. Steelers, roll. Uh, this is a good one. 5-2 and two on Sunday night. 5-2 and two Saints on the road taking on the 6-2 and two Buccaneers. I'm taking the Buccaneers at home, but I really like this game. And we'll, we're going to see one more opportunity to really see what Drew Brees has in the tank. Uh, Mike, back to you.
4: Saw a bit of a shoulder injury issue for Brees in practice today, assuming he's okay. What a great spot to bring back Michael Thomas. I will take the Saints in the upset on Sunday night football. Oh,
0: there you go. Mm-hmm. Marcus? Okay. Wow, yeah, working Thomas back in is nice, but you still have to do that. I, I think at home, Tom Brady and the Bucs uh, rolling the way they are, I will take Tampa.
3: Patriots 2-5 and five taking on the absolute – I can't believe this is a Monday night game – the absolutely awful New York Jets <laughs> who are, are just uh, – nothing like, nothing like showcasing a giant turd. Uh, I'm gonna, the Patriots are going to get the win and, and finally get off the schneid after losing four straight. Mar- Marcus?
0: They're only a seven-point favorite, though, which is uh, a little bit surprising. Yeah, I I don't know how anybody could possibly pick the Jets in this New England. The
4: most Jets thing ever would screw up the tank for Trevor on Monday Night Football, (laughs) and they're going to do it. They're going to beat New England. I knew you'd
0: go that way. Give me the J-E-T-S,
4: Jets, Jets, Jets. And it's funny. You don't hear anybody blaming other teams for skipping
3: out on Cam Newton these days, do you? no no not at all uh real quick we've got the Packers uh, against 49ers I'm taking the Packers reluctantly because I I don't even know they're I can't believe they're playing this game but I'm gonna take the Packers 24 17 in this one uh Mike back to you
4: 30 20 Packers I don't feel great about the win but a win is a win in the National Football League and I don't think they should be playing this game Marcus
3: yeah, I had twenty
0: four ten, so uh, pretty close to what Bill called there. I just because of attrition for San Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know why this isn't being moved either. But assuming they play it, I'll take the pack.
3: There you have it, uh, Marcus Path, Mike Wicket. I'm Bill Michaels. We've been brought to you by our good friends at Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Uh, tomorrow night after the game, don't forget to listen to the Green and Gold Post Game Show with Gary Ellison and yours truly, guys. Appreciate it, man. Yep. Great have coach. a good one. Time for us to go. Have a good one tonight. Sir?